Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts. Amel and Chad with your breakfast toast. Cut the music. Did somebody Friday, screw up January there again? Thirtieth, huh? Did somebody screw up there again? No. What are you talking about? One of the producers of the show? Yeah. <laughs> the producers of the show just messed up. Okay, folks. Uh, rather interesting uh, intro here to the January thirtieth, two thousand and fifteen edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. My name is Chad Wilson. The other voice you hear on the line here is none other than Emil Calamino. And for the next hour, we are going to talk about the Super Bowl. We're not going to discuss anything outside of, uh, well, we will discuss some things. We'll discuss all things Super Bowl. We will do our best to uh, stay away from deflate gate. I think that's lost some steam, wouldn't you say? That's probably yeah. lost some steam. Yeah. So we'll stay yeah, away I mean, from it, that. It's done. I mean, we I think we, we, we know nothing's going to happen here. So, And if it does, it's after exactly. the game anyway. It won't happen until next week. They'll they'll give them I mean, something to talk we, about. Yeah, I think we all knew that that's how that was going to go down pretty much. Uh, wasn't expecting anything to be done there. The NFL can be accused of a lot of things. I don't know that stupid financially would be uh, one of those. So, no. Uh, there you have it. And that's that's the situation. That's the deal. You know. It's all over. Hey. There's nothing to be nothing to see here. Move on. Exactly. So that's that's how we roll out here. So we're going to talk about the Super Bowl here for the next hour, uh, and we are going to, at the end, give our pick, who we think is going to win this thing. Uh, and from a point spread perspective, you really only need to find, you know, determine who's going to win this game, as I believe it's either pick them or one right now. Where are we at? Yeah, I, I haven't looked. It was, it was, I think it was one the other day. I'll check when we're talking here, but I think, it's, I think it might be back to pick them. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get an official line here for you. How's that? Yeah, people like, people like the Patsies. Um, I think they're getting the majority of the public pick. Money. We got pick right now. This was started off as Seattle uh, opened up as a, the, when they opened this the very first day after the two championship games ended. They opened Seattle as a three-point um, favorite. So quickly the, the big shooters came in and, and hit the Patriots hard, plus three, and they moved this to where it's been a pick and one back and forth, So, which is probably where it should be. But Yeah, uh, probably. I don't know when's the last time we had a pick them game in the Super Bowl. Mm. No. You know, I mean, I don't know. I know one that sticks out in my head, and you'll probably remember this. I, I, I want to say that Super Bowl, the year that Marcus Allen made that run 30-some years ago when they played the Redskins, I, I want to say you that got, was a you're pick. Going, you're going back that far? And I'm not sure that was a pick. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm trying to go back in my head here quick as we were talking. I'm trying to think, you know, not recently do I remember a pick. The beauty of the internet. We shall get out there and find out that information for you. Uh, sliding back here, I'm trying to find anything close to it, man. We may have to go that far back, Emil. 
Um, and I'm not even sure I'm right there, but I believe that game was very close to those two teams have played in the regular season. I'm dating Giants myself. Giants and Barry. Patriots. Giants and Patriots, 2012. That was uh, uh, ended up New England two and a half. Perhaps yeah. that was near Pickham at some point. Um, we had Baltimore and the New York Giants. Baltimore was three at kickoff. Uh, but man, we're going pretty far back. Denver and Washington. That was three. It's certainly yeah. When you get back to that, that game, let me know if I was close because that year I remember the Redskins beat the Raiders in Washington, thirty-seven thirty-five in the regular season. The two teams. Why do you know that? So why do you know the score hey, of that game? I'm like a rain man of numbers. You know me. I mean, I don't know why. Uh, the line in that game at kickoff was Washington as a three-point favorite. Okay. Certainly, certainly didn't go that way. That's for sure. Year before that, Miami was a three-point favorite over the Washington Redskins. Yeah, I, I don't like. I said it's hard to find one that I, I mean. We don't have anything that kicked off at a pick'em. Closest thing to that is uh, Miami and Washington. The year that the uh, Dolphins went undefeated, was it? Yeah, the year the Dolphins went undefeated. Dolphins where uh game kicked off with the Miami Dolphins as a one-point favorite in that contest. Wow, they must so. have really, at that point in history, disrespected the AFC because you think about it. Miami had rolled through that season. Uh, at that point, they were 16-0 and because they had played 14 regular season games and their two playoff mm-hmm. games. And, I mean, mm-hmm. Washington beat Dallas in the NFC Championship that year, and I want to say their record probably coming in, and I guess they were probably 14-2, and Thirteen and three. Not that that's bad, but it's really good. But mm-hmm. I mean, you're playing a sixteen and O team, and you're only a one point dog. Wow. Well, okay. Um, yes, they were a sixteen and O team. They did not roll through. That no, no, they season. had a quite. A, they had quite a few. Matter of fact, in the yeah, AFC they played games close to the vest. How's this one for you? And I swear, I'm not using the internet. I want to say they won the AFC Championship game that year against Pittsburgh, who had won the immaculate reception game the prior week. I want to say they beat them 21-17. You look that up and tell me if I'm right. Yeah, something's wrong with you if you're if you're correct on that. But uh, let's let's look that up. 1972 AFC Championship game. We shall do that. But uh, in the meantime, I, I mean, I swear uh, to God, I'm not. I'm, I, 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 my, my kids. I'm. I mean, I'm just. I'm an idiot savant with that stuff. Um, an idiot or just an savant. Idiot. <laughs> you are an idiot savant. You are twenty-one seventeen Dolphins over the Steelers, December thirty-first, nineteen seventy-two, Three Rivers Stadium. I don't want I to intimidate the callers year. with this kind of memory. They might they might be reluctant to call the show. Well, uh, my memory was a little hazy of that time. I was born that year. Uh, wasn't really big. Well, I was four. It wasn't like I was smoking cigars and drinking scotch and watching the game. <laughs> I think pacifiers were a big deal for me back then, not necessarily Dolphins versus Steelers matchup. By the way, the NFC Championship from that year, for those who are interested, uh, Redskins did beat the Cowboys 26-3. 26-3. to 3. 26-3. Hey, listen, you want I'm any other scores? You, off the air, so. you need anything <laughs> yeah. from 1978 or anything? <laughs> you are, uh, see, that's why you're on the show. You are indeed the ultimate fan. The ultimate fan with intelligence. If you want to join us on the show today, the number to call is 347-633-9365. We want to talk about the Super Bowl uh, or anything. Any memories you may have of the Super Bowl, who you think is going to win, anything like that, feel free to call us here on the show today. And again, that number, 347-633-9365. You can reach us also on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. I have a funny Super Bowl memory I want to give you, and I think you'll remember this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, maybe funny. It's yeah, better I guess not I'm be say, Rams, Steelers, man, because I will no, kill your no, life. No, 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 no. You bring it's kind of politically money. incorrect, I guess, this, in this day and age to say it's funny. But hell, looking back, it was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, t- 1987. Uh, we're dating ourselves again. You were what 15? I was 19. Redskins are playing the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, that was a strike-shortened year. There was three scab games in there. They ended up playing a 15-game regular season with 12 of the regular guys, and for some godforsaken reason, they let the substitutes play three games and count at them. Anyway, mm-hmm. digress. We get to the Super Bowl, and we've, we've got John Elway, a young John Elway at the time. He's probably in his fourth or fifth year playing the Redskins. Mm-hmm. We had Doug Williams, and for those of you who are a little bit younger, Williams was a really good quarterback out of Grambling. Um, probably, I would say, would you say probably one of the first, uh, what you would say, prominent black quarterbacks in the league? Um, I guess you could say so because he did indeed get to that Super Bowl. Well, and he also was was very good good in Tampa, if you remember. He got Tampa very early on in only their third season. They did. did Yeah, they got to an NFC NFC championship with Doug Williams. So anyway, their pregame, and for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, CBS Sports used to have a pregame show with, Brent Musburger, who everybody knows from college football now, um, Irv Cross, who was a former defensive back uh, with the uh, the Giants, I want to say, or Eagles, and then Phyllis George, who was former Miss Texas and Miss America, and then they had a guy on there named Jimmy the Greek. And mm. you know, for, for young guys, Jimmy the Greek was like the handicapping guy of the day. You know, right? Kind of smoked cigars, looked like a guy who grew up in Vegas. <laughs> You know, would, mm-hmm. would would handicap the games next to Brent. You know, Brent would go down mm-hmm. the board and talk who was better offense, Jimmy, who was better defense, the intangibles. They check him off, and you know, Jimmy tell you who's going to win the game. Jimmy mm-hmm. starts analyzing the Super Bowl and basically breaks it down to say, we got the cerebral, intelligent John Elway from Stanford against the high side, athletic Doug Williams. High side. Huh? Remember, it was man. something like that, right? He that's, that basically, stuff, that's that stuff that eventually got him in trouble, man. He got fired. <laughs> Not <laughs> he all basically, that. He basically went, went into handicap. He got comfortable and got crazy. High yeah, he got life, comfortable and got crazy. He basically went into you know, suggesting that, you know, in, in a roundabout way, that Williams was bred. <laughs> hey, listen, okay, um, Jimmy DeGree got fired, okay? But I don't disagree with what he was saying, they got him fired. I guess you just can't say that, Jimmy, when you're, uh, you know, when you're a white guy, especially in those days where we weren't uh, as far along as we are now. If you could even say that, given if you could say that, but yes, no, you couldn't say that. You couldn't come close to saying that back then. I mean, it was no he, man, but high side. I gotta. I'm gonna use that one. You know, I'm. Well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I remember site. it being something really bizarre because even as a kid, I mean, I'm, what am I, sophomore in college? I'm sitting there, and you know my antenna went up. You know, and, and, you know, at 19. <laughs> Did it? That yeah, got, that got you perked. Yeah, oh, kind of like. I thought, what's that mean? There was no I was kind of like this then, guy's so in a lot of really trouble. trouble. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was kind of like the time I was for some Straight reason my to the dad. Botanica shelf. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sitting go. home one time with my dad, and you know he has flips on Nightline late at night. He's laying on the couch. We're all half asleep, oh, and you know I remember Nightline. the Al Campanas so coming on Nightline. Mm. Yeah, but you remember Al Campanas got fired the same way the old Dodger GM. When they yeah, asked a guy him, said well, brothers couldn't swim. Well, that and she went on to suggest that you know the reason there wasn't as many in management like him is they they, they, they weren't quite up to it intellectually, and that was the end of Al Campanis. <laughs> Man, let me tell you something about the media back then, and it's still the case now. When they think 
you they've got a guy when they think they've got a guy that could have a serious moment um, on radio or TV or even in the press where they can really implode um, and lose just complete and total control of themselves and do something uh, worthy of a scandal or fire, they're going to keep coming at you. Tell me, why was Al Campanis on Nightline multiple times? I have no really idea, but, I, but listen, to, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm segueing into where I want to go with this because we're having, you said, moments and people having moments. We're at the Super Bowl. We want to talk about the Super Bowl. So here's the question for you mm-hmm. and for the listeners. Is Marshawn Lynch hurting himself or helping himself by not talking to the media? Is this one of the reasons, things we cite like this? Obviously, Marshawn's not going down the racial line, but does he just not want to get himself in trouble by saying something that can get himself in trouble so he figures he'll just shut up? Um, I don't know that that's what it is. I really feel that what probably happened with Marshawn Lynch is somewhere early in his NFL career, he gave an interview or interviews, and someone just got it wrong with him. And, um, you know, I don't know that he was all for interviews in the first place. And uh, he went against his better judgment, gave an interview, and I think somebody just uh, quoted him up all wrong. And, uh, and, and that was it. He was done but here's the, the other interview. thing I don't understand. I, I mean, I understand that they kind of, you know, it's, it's their business and, you know, you're promoting the sport. But why are you really required to talk to the media? I mean, what if you have nothing to really say? I mean, I'm serious. Um, you Some people like support. it. There's, yeah, but there's you no shortage put- of people who will. Listen, you got 60 or 53 guys on a roster. Trust me, there's no shortage of interviews of guys who willingly would love to do it. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I understand. You know, I, I understand that thought process. But the the whole deal here is that. Um, you do need to promote the game. You got to promote the game. That needs to be done. And part of promoting the game is speaking to the media. A big part of it um, is speaking to the media. So you've got to understand that you need to make yourself uh, available for the media. And if there's nothing to say, I guess uh, you, you give shorter answers when that is the case. But it can't be that every week you've got nothing to say. Having said that, uh, Marshawn Lynch is certainly, in my opinion, benefiting by uh, his current stance with the media more Amazingly, than Amazingly, he's, he's benefiting generic. by it because everybody Amazingly. knows who this guy is. I mean, everybody, everybody he's understands. More, he's you the know. Most, for a guy who's not really talking to the media, he's the most quotable guy in the Super Bowl right now at this time. He is the most quotable guy. There are pictures of him everywhere with his short quotes to the answers that uh, to the questions that are being sent his way during the Super Bowl. This has been the case for the better part of the season. Um, his beast mode collection of uh, apparel has been selling quite wildly. Anyone that puts Marshawn Lynch uh, likeness on a T-shirt has seen uh, the sales be wildly successful. And uh, if you're walking around anywhere in Scottsdale, Arizona right now, there's a bunch of beast mode and Marshawn Lynch uh, linked businesses that are doing pretty good right now, from what I understand. Oh uh, well, you know I'm troubled by the NFL in general, and you know I kind of take Richard Sherman's position when he did that inter that, that little piece a couple months ago or about six weeks ago with with Baldwin. Mm-hmm. I guess what I find troubling with the NFL is just the hypocrisy in that they control these guys. You know, they come to an interview. Okay, they're required to go. You know, they can't wear a hat unless it's an NFL hat. They can't wear this. They can't wear that. You know, here's the NFL suspending guys for driving under the influence, yet 
the biggest sponsor in the NFL is a beer company. Okay. Um, you know, I understand I'm just, it. Those, but now, hold on. You can't just drop that scud and run off. The beer companies are supposed to be and are supposed to be promoting uh, safe drinking. Um, no <laughs> okay. drinking by minors. Uh, no drinking and driving. That's the motto on which they're running on. So um, I'm sure they would take umbrage with you know you or anyone else suggesting that alcohol in and of itself is a terrible thing that shouldn't be consumed by anyone. No, um, I love alcohol. My point is, the, the and I don't the beer, and I don't drink. But you know, the beer this companies is the motto in which they run on are not running ads. Okay to encourage you not to buy beer. They may say, it's like, it's, it's like when you go in a casino and they have an 800 number in case you have a gambling problem. They're hoping you go in and toss a 1000 bucks in one of those machines and you yeah, don't well, call there's the number. A, there's, a severe, there's a severe conflict of interest. I do, under, you know, we do get that. Such is the world that we live in. That's, that's just the way that, that that's things my That's, that's where right I am now. a little bit troubled by, you know, I a lot of... I do say this, though. I do say this, that um, uh, I don't have a problem with the NFL regulating, um, um, you know, what you wear to an interview. Anytime that there's any kind of promotion of the company, the brand going on, I think there's a certain amount of guidelines you need to to follow. I mean, if you, Amo, own a Subway sub shop, um, you don't want your employees coming in there with a Quiznos T-shirt on. Uh, So to a certain degree, they need to regulate themselves. Um, they don't. They they can't have their hair hanging down low. It'd be best if they had low hair. I mean, there's certain regulations that you got to have. And if you don't, if you got a problem with it, man, you don't have to play in the NFL. You don't. You know, you could choose. No, listen. Path. Nobody's feeling bad for these guys. They make a lot of money doing what they're doing. So I, I mean, and you you make valid points here. And I guess in general, you know, as a business owner, I completely get it. I'm just sometimes a little bit troubled by the NFL is a very you know, Sword. It's a very hypocritical league. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do a lot yeah. of things that we know. Um, for instance, you know, they do their little concussion spiel. I understand why they do it. I get it. But you can go buy all the pictures you want on NFL.com of nice hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I certainly. Understand I mean, that. you know, come on. Don't insult our intelligence, I guess, is more my thing. I'm more of a realist. Don't insult, you know, I get what you're trying to do. That's fine. But let's call it what it is. Don't pretend. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you make a good point. I guess anyone, you know, if you feel strongly one way or the other, could could make your point here. The truth of the matter is, though, um, they hold the chips. Um, they hold a gun, pretty much. So yeah, they, well, they have the cash. Line. I mean, these guys are all billionaires. They own these teams. The players make a, a great living doing this, and you know, no, no need to feel bad for them. The guys who play in the NFL want to play in the NFL, so you know, they're and they're making good money, and they work hard for it. Contrary to what some fans think, you know that, you know, oh, I'd love to play a game for five million bucks a year. Well, would you? Because it's not you're not going over the rec league and playing on. You know, flag football on Sunday. You I mean it's a job, right? Exactly, exactly. So um, it is indeed a job. There are guidelines, and uh, you you do need to follow them. All right, uh, some things to consider. Some things I found out that are out there um, about the Super Bowl. Uh, every year, there's talk of two things: 
uh, when it comes to the cost of. And we know that the television commercial, the 30-second 30, 30 ad spot, you know, that goes up every year like wildfire. And then the cost of just going to the Super Bowl, that flies up each and every year beyond normal inflationary rates. Um, yesterday, a group of four, upper upper level, upper level tickets, $8,000 per. A per ticket? Is that madness? I, I'm not saying this to, to be funny. I wouldn't pay 500 bucks to go to the game. Well, okay, let's let's consider this now. You've got you've got uh you've got a good amount of money. Let's 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 say you're a guy that's worth 50 million dollars. Are you going? Right. You going or no? You're going to pay no, that. No, you know why? I mean, it's, I'm a weird guy like that. The Super Bowl, no, a regular game, you know I like to go to games, but the Super Bowl to me uh, too much effort. Now, if it was in a spot I really like, a couple of spots like to vacation. I like, you know, down near you in South Beach. I like the L.A. Orange County area. If there was a Pasadena game or a Miami game, and I had that kind of money, and I could make a whole weekend out of it, week out of it, maybe enjoy a vacation and do all that stuff. Yeah, maybe I'd go to the game, especially if I had that kind of money. I'd be in a luxury box somehow. Okay. So, but, okay, but. So basically, you're saying it wouldn't. It doesn't matter what the cost is. You don't really care to go to the Super Bowl game. Generally, unless it's in like those two spots, yeah, I couldn't care. I mean, I have no no interest in, you know, no offense to anyone in Arizona. I've heard it's beautiful, but I have no interest in going out to the desert to to go through the madness. I'll go out there on a vacation if I can to see it. But yeah, it's not worth is it. Is there to, not yeah. is there not a part of you though that really would like to just experience it just one time? Just go to a Super Bowl, sit in a stadium for a Super Bowl game just one time or no, not so oh, much. Oh yeah, I mean I mean you know, listen, it's one of those things where if I can do it it fits it fits where I want to go. Um, you know, it happens to be, I'd love to have my team in it. Um sure, you know, if there was like a game, let me give you a hypothetical Cowboys playing in Pasadena, sure. I'd love to go. Mm-hmm. Um, within reason, it has but I'm to be not. that perfect. It has to be that perfect storm. Or Dick in Miami, yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, if they have the game in Indianapolis, do the Cowboys need to be playing in a Super Bowl for you to have an interest in going to it? It would have to be the Cowboys. For me, as a fan, probably because I, because I, you know, how much of a fan I am, and you know, really, I couldn't get into the, you know, all the, the festivities, not giving a damn who wins the game. Mm-hmm. I understand. That's just the way uh, I am as more, a fan. I know you're not a fan like me with, with pro football as far as a team. So I know that probably sounds silly to you. But for me, to be there and not care who wins is even, you know, it's like, okay, I, no, I, I don't care. No, I can definitely care. understand that. I can understand that. But more on ticket prices. You had a company that paid $200,000 for a 40 block of Super Bowl tickets on the 30-yard line last week. Last week, yesterday, offered 600000 Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's just a way that the rich get richer. You know, you've got enough money to go out and get these things early. You can turn around and flip them um, and, and, and make yourself a nice, tidy little sum. How about you well, making yourself a it, nice Well, it shows you a couple things. Yes, the rich get richer, and there's also a lot of rich. Because if you're yeah. spending 200 and someone's spending six. You know that's crazy. Well, to me. they're companies, you know, so you know they've they've got that. Yeah, but hey, six hundred. I know, like, listen, I know we throw numbers around anymore, billions and billions with these companies like Apple. But hey, six hundred grand is still six hundred grand. I know, you know, for them, it's 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 a little bit of rounding in their financial statements. But somebody still has to sign off on that and approve it. And you know, it's. I mean, I guess they can justify it because they do it. But man, it's a lot of coin to sit there and for a football game. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I know, but for them, it could be a money maker if they do indeed decide to uh, sell off that forty block of tickets. You know, I, I probably so forty for two hundred. Right. So what were they paying? Let me do the math here, quick. Five grand a ticket, and they sold it for twenty grand a ticket, or no, or fifteen grand a ticket. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Man, a nice little. I feel guilty taking a leak if I had that seat. I mean, I might wear an adult diaper just not to get, I mean, I feel like I need to get all four hours out of that seat. I don't know. When a company buys 40 block like that, are they just trying to reward uh, some employees or are they trying to invite some potential clients? Uh, What, you know, is that what's going on there? I don't know the most. I think that would be a, I think that would be a uh, company by company, but I would say more of them are probably trying to, you know, legally buy some business, you know, send some good customers to the game. Probably, that's probably the case. Uh, hey, before we head into the break, I don't know if you had a chance to see this, Emil, but Drew Brees and Emil, uh, and, uh, what am I talking about? Drew Brees wow. and Odell Beckham, all right, almost Emil Beckham, but Odell wow. Beckham got together to set the world record for one-hand catches um, in a 60-second I didn't see it. Period. I heard about it. How many did he end up doing? Emil, it's, this, this kid's amazing, okay? I'm not even going to talk about the 55-yard field goal he kicked last week at the Pro Bowl playing around. The kid caught 33 of these things in 60 seconds, all right? It's not the most amazing part of this thing. There's two things that I found very amazing when I watched this video. He didn't drop any balls. He caught all 33 in a row. Did not drop one single football. Caught them like they were tennis balls. It's really amazing. Uh, the well, he's got a Venus flytrap fly at the end of his shoulder, his arm there. Yeah, well, it takes, I mean, that it thing, takes that, a certain that, amount of it takes oh, a yeah. amount of concentration too. You, you I know, mean, you but that thing's that thing's a catcher's mitt. You see the size of his hands? True, but what's lost in all this? What's lost in all this? I'm sure when people watch it is the tremendous accuracy that Drew Brees throws with. Amazing. When you watch that, don't miss out on that part. Well, He's I was just going to say that to you. Him. What struck me when you just said that, he caught. you said he caught 33 in 60 seconds? Yes. That means Drew Brees, I was just going to say that to you, had to rip off 33 accurate throws in 60 seconds, which actually may be more amazing than the catch. He did not miss, man. Did not miss. He got them all right above that right shoulder in the optimal place for you to make a one-hand catch. Because, you know, if you drop it around his chest or maybe down around his waistline or, you know, maybe right in front of his face and he's got to move his hand into somewhat of an awkward position if you're trying to make a one-hand catch, then, you know, you may have a drop. The point of the ball may hit the palm of your hand and then you're not catching the ball there. Drew Brees, I mean, he couldn't have picked a better guy, I don't think. Were the balls at 12.5 PSI? Well, you know, that may come out later uh, in the whole – that might get swept up in all of the post-season uh, interviews. But, man, he was putting it right on the money, and this guy was snatching him out of the sky. It really is an amazing thing. To I'm going to go watch that video today. I mean, I've, I've yeah. seen it up. I just haven't taken the time to watch it. Yeah, on ESPN.com for anyone that wants to go see it. Amazing by both guys involved, uh, you know, the way he just snatches the ball out the air and then – the amount of accuracy because they, you know, he's being handed footballs, you know, and it's kind of like when you go into uh, Dave and Buster's or one of those places and you're trying to shoot the basketballs in that net kind of thing. You know, the balls aren't always coming on a rhythm. So there were times. And then towards the end, he caught so many of them. Towards the end, Beckham caught one. They didn't have balls ready for Breeze, so he threw it back to Breeze, and Breeze threw it back to him. They just played catch back and forth for for several of the ones. It really is amazing to watch. So, yeah, I have uh, to tell you, those basketball things screw me up, so I couldn't even imagine doing the, the football. 
Yeah, uh, really, 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 you'll you'll have fun taking a look at that one. All right, let's jump into a break. When we get back, we will uh, start talking about this game and start breaking it down and try to come to some conclusion as to who we think is going to be the Super Bowl champions uh, in Super Bowl 49. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. You want to play college football, right? Well, that's not going to happen unless you have a highlight video. And if you want one of the best highlight videos in the country, then visit Under the Radar Highlight Videos right now. They will give you their best. Ten DVDs, affordable, done fast. They'll even remix your highlights or take your huddle highlights and put them on YouTube. And they've worked with some of the best. Deion Sanders Jr., top recruits in the country, Adoree Jackson and Joe Mixon, current UCLA wide receiver Shaquille Evans, Cordell Brodus, son of Snoop Dogg, as well as top 2013 USC recruit Stuart Craven. If you want to be seen by the colleges and have the offers rolling in, then you need to contact Under the Radar Highlights right now. Visit them at youtube.com forward slash users UTR Highlight Videos. That's youtube.com forward slash users forward slash UTR Highlight Videos. Get over there, get that video made, and be seen by the colleges now.
6.30 here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino talking uh, Super Bowl 49. It is upon us. means the end of the uh, football season is upon us. And then into the madness of the uh, postseason. And on that note, uh, I do want to make a programming announcement. I will. I will have a, a uh, National Signing Day Eve edition of the Gridiron Stud Show on Tuesday night. We'll preview some of the madness that's going to go down on Wednesday, um, and that is National Signing Day, Emil, as I'm sure you are aware of. Oh, the yeah. USC fan that you are, it looks like your Trojans once again are going to bring in a nice 2015 class. Uh, there's some people discussing Iman Marshall, um, and you know some. You know, I'm down here in the South, um, and you've got plenty of Florida State fans. More have popped up over the last. I don't see. Yeah, but they're popping out of the woods right now. I don't see him being a. I mean, my take. I I see him at USC, man. I I really think he's doing the same thing Adoree Jackson did, just entertaining folks, enjoying the national, enjoying time as a national recruit. At the end of the day, though, I think I got two trains of thought on him before we go into the Super Bowl. My first one is he isn't ending up at Florida State. I'll be shocked by that. I just don't think he's going across the country. Not not when he has that type of program in his backyard. I think if he's staying with a a, a blue-chip program, it will be USC. My first train of thought is what you said. I think maybe um, there is a side of him that is just isn't enjoying this. And he threw, like the other day he threw out a tweet I heard that said, uh, USC, USC is not is, – is USC really the odds-on favorite with a question mark, almost like baiting people and everybody saying, whoa, what does this mean? Does he – so I think there may be a side of him that's enjoying it. But I also have a feeling if there's an upset here and somebody else gets him, it's, I told you, I either think it's going to be Oregon, much the mm. same way Deshaun Jackson went from Northern California up there and uh, DeAnthony Thomas spurned USC to go up there, or to Michigan. I, if it was going to be an upset, and the reason I say Michigan is I, you know, they dressed him up in the number two jersey, and, you know, Harbaugh can be a good recruiter. We know that. So they, they to me, are the two that could pull the upset for him. That's how I, I kind of see that. I mean, I think that, you know, the I could see them sneaking in there, you know, and it, maybe he doesn't. He wants a stage to himself and, you know, doesn't want to share it with Dory Jackson for a couple of years. I don't know. You know, I'm just saying. Yeah, um, I hear you on that. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm I'm thinking Trojans, but I've been wrong, you know. So well, sure, we all have. I mean, these are seventeen, eighteen year old kids. I mean, who, I, don't, I don't. How the hell would any of us know what's in his head? Yeah, you know, who who asks, who, who knows what's going on there? I mean, but, USC's yeah, got I mean, an outside shot, by the way. Depending on you know, if you're listening to two forty seven rival scout, um, if they get the four that you know most prognosticators are saying are leans their way, which would be uh, Marshall. Um, Rashad Green, uh, Houston, and this Porter Gustin, another linebacker from Utah. They got the first kid from Utah last week, the five-star kid. And this is another one of a four- or five-star, depending on who you're listening to. Um, they would have an outside shot to unseat Alabama as the number one class. Um, perhaps they do, which is even amazing because they didn't have the kind of season that Alabama did. So USC still continuing to do a really, really good job. Uh, recruiting out west and in and in all places. So again, I'm going to have a National Signing Day Eve edition of the Gridiron Stud Show talking about all things. Now, what's the word, by the way, recruiting. on Florida's class? I mean, do we know what do you think they're going to come in with in terms of numbers? I mean, I know last week on the show I mentioned I think they had, I want to say like it was eight commits at this point. I mean, are they going to what, is they going to have a small class, 15 or something like that? Yeah, something around that number, 15, 16. 
maybe even 17. They're planning uh, They're planning on having some good things go their way, or at least someone's believing that because ESPN has chosen that to be one of the campuses on which they're going to be on for their coverage on well, Wednesday. Yeah. So, I mean, you know uh, what's going to happen on Wednesday. There's always going to be those four or five surprises where the kid uh, decommits on that day and signs with somebody else or just shocks somebody. Um, so, you know, that's why I, I always say when they say leans and all this stuff, I don't believe it until I actually see a letter of intent signed. Um, you know, when people say, well, oh, we yeah, lost well, no the kid. Yeah, no, no one should. No, but you know how people fans get. You know, oh, we lost this kid, he decommitted. No, you didn't lose the kid because he was never legally bound to go there. You, you, that's, somebody saying they're going to your school in July means nothing to me. Yeah, uh, very true, especially then. Uh, you know, that's – that's. Uh, I don't even – you know, I don't like the, the junior commits. That just means – in my mind, that that's the one school that kid's not going to when they commit really that early, the, a whole year ahead. What do you Unless think about Bo Pelini's idea? I, I mean, I, believe it or not, and there's what, not the early many, signing period? Well, there's not many things I agree with Bo Pelini on, but if a kid wants to sign, not an early sign, but if a kid says, hey, I'm done, I want to sign, I, I'm not really against that, I don't think. I don't like it. Why? Tell me, because you want the kid to see everything. You don't want him to get wooed early and then be locked in. Well, I know I mean, look, at, look, look, look at how many things happened. Um, and when when did he suggest the signing period would be in the summer? I don't know what his time frame was, but I, I mean, let's say what, I, what his, his bigger summer. point let's say was it's August first. You know, let's say that. Let's say it's August first. Look, Emil, at what has happened in college football since August first. Think of all the changes that have been made, all the things that have been right. done. What would be what would be the course that you would take on a kid wanting to get out of a national letter of intent? Is they going are they going to be held to it at the yeah, same standard at which it is now? That's crazy. I mean, coaches leave, coaches lie, coaches say they're staying, coaches go. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, that's I don't, a good I point. Mean, you know, but I hate to see these kids though. peppered. What I what I think is kind of is you know where the real dirty side of the business is. If a kid opens up his recruiting, that's different. If he's like, hey, I want to go see all the campuses, well, he's open. But when a kid says he commits and he's really not taking visits and they keep peppering the kid, I don't know. There just seems to be something wrong with that when you got a 17- or 18-year-old kid, if, if you're really worried about the kids, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I agree. But less and less that is happening. There's less care being shown to them, um, and there's more care about you know everything else that is, surrounds um, this game that is bringing in more and the other and thing is that I think you year. said this to your son if I'm not mistaken when I remember this and I think I mean this would be my general advice to any recruit if I was giving them advice is go to a school that you're comfortable at but damn don't go for the coaching staff because coaches change like socks I mean if you're, if you're going to they do. You, the coaches change so you better go to a place where you're comfortable you like the school you like the academics you like the location whatever else you know is important to you Man, if if it's just because of the coach, then I think you're making a mistake. Um, you're definitely making a mistake because they 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 come and go. You know, they either don't you know do what they're supposed to do in terms of wins and losses at a school, and they get fired, or they do uh, really really well at the whole wins and losses thing, and they move on to another job. So you really got to just pick a coach. But uh, that's something we can really talk more and more about on uh, on Tuesdays. You want to talk about this 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 professional game that's being played on Sunday, don't yeah, you? Yeah, the the big daddies out there. Okay. Um, and and that's and that's the Seattle Seahawks taking on the New England Patriots. I think at the beginning of the year, I had the Seahawks playing the Broncos in a rematch. 
you had, I believe, the Saints playing the Patriots. Am I correct, or what did you have? Yeah, so if we could combine ours, we might we had the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at least we've got. Listen, it's it's not an easy feat, okay? Especially in an NFL, uh, in a in an you know in an organization, or shall we say, with the NFL, where um, there's been a lot of parity. They preach parity. They've thrived on it, and a lot of times we can see teams come out of the woodworks and uh, make it all the way to the end, you know. So kudos to us at least getting one half of this thing right. Yeah, but I'm disappointed we picked the winner the last two years, and now this year I can't even do that. You can, I can't. Because I picked the Saints, I admit it, to win the Super Bowl. Laugh now, go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no laughter there. You fall in love with the quarterbacks. Everyone's doing that. And, you know, I just told you about how accurate Drew Brees was. I mean, he could have hit a snail ten times in a row at the top of a, you know, a fence 20 yards away, it looked like to me. But um, nevertheless, this is what we've got here. It is uh, it's the Pats coming back again. Do we really want to see the Patriots win another Super Bowl? I don't know. But the uh, the the betting the betting tide is stemming their way. I guess people feel like their uh, the adversity and all that stuff is gonna. Uh, bring well, this out will the be their eighth Patriots. trip. We talked about that. They've won three. They're going for their fourth, and this is the Seahawks' uh, overall third trip to the big game. They lost the one in 2005 to the Steelers. Won last year, and now they're back again. So, you know, if you look at it, in the last ten seasons, the Seahawks have been to three Super Bowls. That's pretty good, and that's a couple different coaches too. So, yeah, exactly. They had Holmgren and now Pete Carroll. All right, let's. Let's talk about this this game. Um, you know, they say defense wins championships, and so that would, you know, when you start saying stuff like that, that makes everyone want to automatically think the Seattle Seahawks. And who could blame them? Uh, for the last two, three seasons, they've had um, the best defense in the National Football League, and, um, you know, you can pretty much come back and, and, and say that again. But do the New England Patriots have uh, – a bad defense, or, or is their defense that far? Well, away here's what I would like to do. Your You're the coach here, so why don't we? Why don't you let me lead this? Because I'd like to pick your brain, since we only have one game to talk about. We can kind of get into it a little bit more than we do on a show during the year. Okay. Patriots have the ball. How would you, if you're the Patriots, what would be your way of trying to attack the Seattle defense? Uh, I would indeed try. Try the running game. There's no doubt that I would try that. I wouldn't stray away from it, you know, uh, even though Seahawks uh, don't quite often give up much in the running game. But there's enough that has gone on this season that would uh, encourage me, if I'm the New England Patriots, to try and run the football. I mean, your Cowboys went out to to, uh, Seattle and put up 162 yards rushing on them. The last two weeks coming into this Super Bowl, they've given up back-to-back 100-yard games. Um, it's something they hadn't been able to – something that hadn't happened since they had that little rough patch earlier in the season where they lost back-to-back games and they were struggling a little bit, if we can remember that. Um, so the ability to rush the football against the Seattle Seahawks is there. and I fully Well, I will argue it's imperative. I, I mean, first of all, I think if, if New England doesn't, doesn't make 20 rushing attempts in this game, they're losing the game. That's just my feeling. I, I, I think Carroll's too good defensively and has too many players that if he just gets comfortable thinking that you're dropping back every play, I think you're going to be in for a long day. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, and and I don't think anyone ever goes into a game with that as their game plan. Um, sometimes you just get caught 
doing something that that works for you, and then you just you know you might go too far with it. So early success, early success running the football for the Patriots um, is going to be key for them in this game. And 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 like I said, the Seahawks have shown a, more vulnerability to that this year than last year. So the ability to be able to run the football is there. Uh, one thing I did notice though with uh, a lot of you know the teams that were able to run the ball on them this year, uh, your team being an exception, is that the quarterback was also mobile. So, oh no, Dallas um, was pretty much the only team that went out there, lined up, and said, you know, we don't care, we don't care, you know, how bad you think you are, we're, you know, we're just as bad. We're running at you. Yeah, yeah, but you know, we can't confuse the Patriots' offensive line uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. No, no, line, it's so. okay. But that, which brings me to my second point: Patriots have the ball. We know, we know, you and I are both a fan of the run. That said, we have to expect they're not going to have a ton of success, and more we're looking edge. at a number yeah, of attempts. Not. We're looking at number. You know, we we need them to get some yeah. attempts in there, exactly. control the clock a little. Now, how are you attacking them in the air? I know earlier you've alluded to the fact, and I do agree with you. I think that Kim Chancellor is the glue of that secondary, and I I, I think that his matchup with Gronkowski is obviously going to be something to watch. Do you think that he can neutralize Gronkowski, which will force the Patriots to go to other places? I think that is more than any other team I think that's matched up against New England this year. The Seahawks have a guy back there that could cover him one-on-one and and do a better job against Gronkowski than probably anyone has and not have him have a beast of a game. Um, so it is going to be you know interesting to see what the Patriots do to counter that. I think the majority of the work they're going to be able to get done in the passing game is going to be with the, you know, from the slot position, um, you know, Edelman uh, and, and Armandola, they're going to have to get those guys going. I don't know that they're going to win the matchups on the outside. Um, I don't see LaFell getting open with any amount of consistency against a Richard Sherman uh, or a Maxwell, um, you know. But, again, there's Brady there, so, you know, perhaps he can make some throws when a guy is covered. Well, quarterbacks, you know, they, know that they, will. they keep throwing at Sherman. You know, it's almost like they, they want to see if they can do it. I mean, Rodgers did it last game and got picked off in the end zone early in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, I don't know why. I mean, I understand you can't come into a game and put, put in the paper, we will not throw the ball at him, but I just don't understand why teams want to go there when there's other places you can go. I mean, I I don't get that. But Yeah, well, you don't want to get yourself shut out from one side of the field. So I'm sure there will be some attempts made there. I just don't know that there will be a whole lot of them. I don't. I think both teams are going to have a problem moving the football, but I think the Patriots will as well. Um, it's going to take a really good game out of Legarrette Blount for them to get where they want to go. He's going to have to break tackles. He's going to have to be. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you another thing. If that. you're if you're the defensive coordinator or you're Pete Carroll, I guess, um, are you going to start that game off in whatever your base packages are, or would you early on see if you could throw a few exotic blitzes at Brady and get some hits on him? Because we listen. No quarterback likes to get hit, so I'm not going to make Brady unusual in that respect. But it does seem like Brady's one of those guys that uh, when you hit him, he is really a lot different. Him and Peyton Manning are two guys that seem to me guys at their feet and you know making them move and getting some hits on them early can affect them more than you know say uh, even a Rogers or a Romo. You know you, you could beat those guys like a rag doll, and somehow in the fourth quarter they're still they're still chucking it. Whereas I've seen Brady and, and Manning get frustrated in those situations. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 no, no quarterback really thrives on getting getting hit. I don't think that the Seahawks are going to, um, you know, stray too far away from what it is that they do. They went up against a complete mastermind last year um, in, in Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos, who were just outstanding um, offensively last year, record-setting, and the Seahawks went out there and ran two coverages the whole game and just did what they do, which is exactly what I think they'll do here against the Patriots unless forced to do something otherwise. So, Well, I think the real advantage their do. defense has is unlike Denver, and remember, Denver only scored eight points last year. I, you know, like you said earlier, and that's that's kind of what I – when I look at New England, I'm saying, okay, yeah, you have Tom Brady. Um, he's great. But how are you going to get open? I mean, if assuming that Chancellor can kind of neutralize Gronkowski and not give up – too many, you know, 30-yarders down the seam. Where's your offense coming from? Who's getting open here? You know, there's a very high total on this Super Bowl, and I'm not sure why it is so high because I just don't see where all the points are going to come from. Well, I'll explain that to you. People bet over in the Super Bowl. It's real simple. That's for John Q. Public. The guys who are in the know in that, if they, you know, they took that under – Started at forty nine and a half, believe it or not. It's down to forty seven. So the sharpshooters, the same way they grabbed the three with New England early, they grabbed mm-hmm. under. The, the public comes in late, and most people go into a Super Bowl party. The casual better that wants to throw fifty or a hundred on a game and just have action to watch the game, they bet over because it's easier to sit there drunk, eating pizza, rooting for points and just than it points. is. Yeah, yeah. And on the, and on that note, I don't know if you saw this stat. Last forty seven. Uh, Super Bowls with the total on it, 24 overs, 23 unders. Yeah. Do you want to understand why the lights shine so bright? Um, <laughs> there's there's your reason why. 24 yeah. overs, 23 unders. About but the psychology is the reason that the game, the total seems to be high in most Super Bowls, therefore leading it to be 50-50, is that people want to sit there number one and root for points. And also, it's the last game of the season, so once a team falls behind, um, whereas they may run their offense in the regular season, knowing, hey, we're playing next week. You know, we got to do what we do. We got to improve. They throw caution to the wind in these games, and because if you lose, you're over. It's over. It's the last game. So you know, you right. see a team down 14 in the third quarter. They may go for it on their own 40, feeling the game's getting away from them. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, that could certainly happen. I think that would be the way. I just don't see a, con- a continual blitz of points being scored in this thing, so maybe something late happens. When things flip around and uh, you're on the uh, other side and with the Seahawks have the ball, I see the same thing coming. Uh, I, I see a problem for the Seahawks moving the football. Obviously, it's going to have to go through the hands of Marshawn Lynch. Um, you know, He's going to obviously need to break some tackles to do things, but you know, the Patriots' rush defense is certainly not the Seahawks'. Um, uh, rush That's what I was going to say to you. I think Seattle can have at least some success running the football if they stay with it, which they usually do, of course. Um, you know, Baltimore had success moving the ball on the ground against the Patriots, and I know that's only one game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think there's a little more opportunity there, and I think a guy like Wilson, if he, assuming he plays better, because frankly that NFC Championship game was probably the worst game I've seen him play yet as a pro. Would you agree? Oh, no doubt about it. He yeah, was I mean, serving them up, you know, no doubt. And I said to you, you know, I think people looked at that game the wrong way. I mean, the way I kind of look at stuff is, yeah, you could say 
you know, Green Bay didn't recover an onside kick, and they probably would have won. I mean, unless they gave up a, a you know an 80-yard touchdown drive to Seattle with a minute in a minute mm-hmm. with no timeouts, which probably would have been the situation. Seattle would have had a you know had to win the game. You could look at it mm-hmm. and say, had they recovered it, but I look at it and say, Seattle turned the ball over five times or had it taken away, however you want to phrase it, mm-hmm. and still won the game. To me, that says a lot about you know the mental toughness and just the ability of the Seahawks. Most teams turn the ball over five times. They're losing by 25, 30 points. Yeah, listen, any championship team shows an ability at at least one point or in several points during the season to overcome a certain amount of uh, adversity, and that was certainly a, the case there for the Seattle Seahawks. But um, when they have the ball, it's going to be tough sledding. You, you and I can both come to the conclusion that don't think they're going to win very many battles out on the edge with Revis and, no, and Browner, no, who's going to play I, out I of his mind. I think that's a big I'm problem sure. for them. Yeah, it's big yeah they're not going to – the big plays in the passing game, I don't know, are really, really going to be there unless they can find someone to get some work done for them down the middle of the field. I mean, passing the ball for the Seahawks, I don't, I don't see it happening a whole bunch for them unless it's one of those situations, and you know we get it in some Super Bowls where an unknown or a guy who wasn't really relied upon much – during the season, steps up, whether that's a Richardson I think they or, have a chance or, or more with broken like plays. That's where I think the advantage, at least for their passing game, is, you mm-hmm. know, Brady wins from the pocket, and normally, you know, you and I are big fans of that. But Wilson, while he can beat you from the pocket, I mean, this guy is not Colin Kaepernick. He's not just running around doing plays, schoolyard plays. When the mm-hmm. play breaks down with Wilson, I think that ability – helps them because, let's face it, they have nothing outside. They don't have a, an Odell Beckham or a Des Bryant or a Calvin Johnson no. that can just go no. out there and, you know. And just eat. win, win a yeah. matchup. Yeah. Even Revis, Absolutely. as good as he is, is not going to shut those guys out for four quarters because of just the way the rules are and those guys are just too talented physically. So if you put Revis out there one-on-one and you have a receiver like that, he'll win some of those those matchups. They don't have a guy like that. So, you know, basically – yeah, I mean, that's, they that's don't. the and problem. They don't come into this game knowing that. So I'm sure they're going to game plan accordingly, and maybe we do get uh, an unsung hero coming from the Seattle Seahawks passing game in the form of one of those slot guys. Um, I think just for this one game, they'd love to have Percy Harvin back and then put him on a plane and send him back to wherever he is. They would yeah. really love that kind of a dynamic. Yeah, somebody there. like yeah. that. Somebody that could stretch the field a little bit. Something. And per- yeah, something. something. Make them, make them, scare them somehow, some kind of way. I'll say this: if they can get Marshawn Lynch in a running game going early, then the bootlegs um, have a chance to do something big. You know, big long crossing routes. And I do like what you said about you know some broken plays. I think we're going to see a lot more of that zone read. I've told you this. I told you this way back in the beginning of the season. The Patriots' linebacking core is slow, so they may have a tough time matching up against the Seahawks. Um, inside passing game, you know, covering slot guys or guys out of the backfield and that kind of stuff, they may have an issue with that um, because you certainly can't just go put a bunch of nickelbacks on the field when you got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. So um, we'll, well see. he's that's a great equalizer, and he stops you from doing that. And that's you know that's that's to me is a big big deal. You don't have Marshawn Lynch, you really could go maybe throw five nickelbacks on the field, but you can't. You know. Yeah, and I, I don't know that there's a big edge for either one of these teams in the special teams department. Um, you know, the Patriots do have the better place kicker. Um, I will say that. Goskowski has definitely, you know, proved himself. Uh, in the return game, though, you know, Amendola's good, but Seahawks cover kicks. I mean, they yeah. do that. They tackle. 
Um, so I don't know that we're going to get a big return out of either one of them. We've just said the Seahawks don't even don't have a dynamic type player that could, um, you know, go run back a kick or something like that. So well, let, let me um, set the stage where we stand before we do this because you know this is the last pick of the year. We 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 had a very good competition this year. Tears are in my eyes. Yes, Chad. Chad, uh, be, our, our college season is complete. Uh, Chad ended up posting a twenty-seven and twenty-six record. He had a couple pushes there, and Look. I was I was bad in college. I was twenty-three and thirty with a couple pushes. So you won college by four games. In mm. the pros coming into this game, you're thirty and twenty-seven. Nothing wrong with that and three pushes. I had a good pro year. I mean, no doubt about it. Thirty-seven and twenty-one with a couple pushes. So. Whatever that adds up to, I'm up six and a half games in the pros. So basically, I'm up two and a half games. I'm going to win this year. Now, for fans out there, we go back and forth. The first year, we actually tied our competition. We were both seven games over 500. Last year, Chad won. He was three games over combined for the year. I was 14 under. So Chad was our winner last year. And this year, I'm going to be the winner. So we've played three years now, and we're uh, one, one, and one. Doesn't get more even than that. It absolutely doesn't get any more even than that. So uh, since you are the uh, NF. NFL champion. I'm going to go first with my pick, and uh, I'm going to stay with where uh, I was at the beginning of the year. I said Seahawks and Broncos for the rematch, and um, and I said Seahawks would win it. I didn't get the Broncos in there, but uh, I still like the Seahawks, man. You know they've got that sw- they've got that feeling, that swag about them. They have the experience from last year. They still look like a hungry team. Um, the defense is is still getting after it, and while they have they're not um, as explosive, which they weren't really a whole bunch of last year. They are missing that dynamic player. I think they can do enough in this game to, uh, you know, force some turnovers, have some things go their way, end up on a short field, and do what they need to do in this one. The stat I want to throw out there to you is that um, NFL teams scoring 40-plus points in a playoff game are on a 4-23 and run ATS in the next game. And uh, you've got the New England Patriots coming into this thing off a 45-7 to win over the Colts. Uh, maybe a little false sense of things. The Seattle Seahawks, uh, in their last 50 games, their last 50 games, 34-15-1 versus the spread. That's uh, absolutely uh, outstanding and phenomenal. And the last thing I want to throw out there from the stat department, the New England Patriots have not won a postseason game away from Foxborough since 2006. So, um, not just based solely on those things. My eyes tell me I think this is uh, the Seahawks' game, and I like them to win this one, 27-14. Wow, okay. Okay, well, here, here you go. I'm, I'm I started off taking a look at this game. And a couple weeks ago, you know, really coming out of the gate, having just watched the, the championship games, I, you know, my initial comment to you is, I'm not sure how Seattle's going to move the ball against New England. The more the, the two weeks went by and I took a look at the game, some things started to concern me. As much as we've had some fun with Deflategate, I think the public is looking at it like the Patriots are going to circle the wagons and be extra angry and want to show people. I don't really see it that way. The way I see this Deflategate is I think it's been a giant distraction. Um, when you got coaches going out and doing press conferences and owners and quarterbacks, people are thinking about things right now at this time of year that really mm-hmm. – really do them no good. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, them talking about who inflated a football isn't helping them prepare for what Seattle's going to bring their way. Okay, so that's the first thing right. that, that concerns me about this game taking New England. The second thing mm-hmm. is, and we all have this tendency as humans, and you've got to guard against it, we tend to look at the last thing we saw and apply it 
to the the whole package. In other words, these two mm-hmm. teams have each played 18 football games. Mm-hmm. The last time we saw New England, they were beating the Colts 45-7. Now, right. this, that was not a great season. Colts team. I mean, it was a good team. They probably did more than they should have just based on having a really good quarterback. But this is the same Colts team that in late December, Dallas beat 42-7. to So I'm mm. not so sure we should put so much stock in that 45-7 to win in Foxborough. Conversely, we saw Seattle go and really struggle in the NFC Championship game. And, you know, frankly, a lot of people would say they pulled one out of their ass. Now, maybe they did, but as I said earlier, I look and say, hmm, Five turnovers, you still won the game against probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now in Aaron Rodgers. Um, that tells me something about your mental toughness. I suspect that's not going to be the Seahawks team that shows up on Sunday. They're going to clean that stuff up, and I don't think you're going to see Russell Wilson throw four picks. So that said, I'm going with the Seahawks in a pick like you. I I just I, I think this is one of those teams that is, is really good, and they're destined to you know, join that club of back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Right. Right? There you go. So we agree. Two out of two doctors here on this show agree that uh, we like the Seattle Seahawks in this one. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, but uh, I, do, I do like them to repeat in this one. Maybe I'm caught up in all the hype or whatever. They just seem to have so much fun playing the game of football. It's not even funny. They just seem to be so together. You know, uh, it, they kind of remind me of the Steelers. When you know, when I was a kid, I hated the Steelers, obviously because of you know they did beat my yeah. Rams, and they just seemed to be winning a whole lot. And um, I did notice that as a kid, and I don't know why I did as a kid, but notice just how close uh, those Pittsburgh Steelers guys were. They just looked like they were having a whole lot of fun. They really enjoyed each other's company, and you see what it turned into: four championships in the '70s, and. It just looks like right now that that's what the Seahawks have going on. There's such a bond between those guys there that I think uh, they'll be able to withstand whatever adversity comes their way in this game. And, And, you know, blasphemy, a lot of people, you know, Belichick's the genius, but I'll be honest with you. Um, I actually actually think Carroll with a couple weeks to get ready with that defense can do some things to New England that they're not going to like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and those guys on that unit go go so they just destroy a whole lot of what you try to do. And I'm talking about the Seahawks defense. So you come in with a with a really good plan, and then they just get to flying around and hitting guys and knocking things sideways. I'm sure the Broncos thought they would come in last year and do certain things, and none of it happened. And then it was just nasty from the word go. Hey, did you know uh, there's been a safety in three straight Super Bowls? Uh, that, that means wow. there's almost no chance we'll have one. There's almost no chance. Wonder what the wonder what the odds are in, in, of being posted on that. Um, pretty deep. And then just another, you know, some odds that I did see. Um, you get nine hundred dollars back on a one hundred dollar bet on Tom Brady throwing for four hundred plus yards in this Super Bowl. So that's that's almost like next to another Good. safety happening. They just don't think it's going to happen. That, yeah, that isn't going to happen. I don't well. I don't yeah. think it's gonna happen. <laughs> All right, so that's it, man. That's a, this is the last show symbolizing the end of the 2014 slash 15 football season. So uh, our picks are in. Both of us agree. We're liking the Seahawks. To all of you out there that uh, are gonna be enjoying the Super Bowl this this Sunday, we uh, hope you thoroughly enjoy it. Get together with some friends. Get together with some family, watch it, have a good time, enjoy it. It's the American pastime. We love it all. 
um, and just be glad you didn't have to pay eight grand to get in to go see it over there in Scottsdale, Arizona. Damn right. But we'll be back on Monday, though, to uh, decipher everything that went down in the game, so whether the footballs were you know, adequately pumped up. There's like 60 men um, that have been uh, called in to watch each football, so that's likely not to happen. We'll talk about the halftime uh, show. We'll talk about the commercials. We'll talk about it all. All things Super Bowl when we come back on Monday at 10 a.m. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening. See you guys on Monday. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.